the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Folks, welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We uh, do this show Every weekend on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN, Alan Dempsey's our engineer, does it every weekend, does it beautifully. And Andrew Hertliska is our producer. And in this first half hour, Ron Jones is with us. He's the lead pastor of Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach. We're going to talk about his new book with Harvest House, Mysteries of the Afterlife, Exploring Its Amazing Secrets. Ron, good to catch up with you. How you doing? Well, it's great to be here, Pat. Thanks for having me on the program, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. Uh, tell me briefly about your book. Well, uh, Mysteries of the Afterlife is, uh, is is not about my personal experience of having died and gone to heaven and coming back to report on it. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a, I'm a Bible teacher, and I, I've just uh, discovered over the years that this particular subject uh, not only is a curious one for me, but for uh, the people in my congregation and so uh, th- this is my best attempt to find out what God has to say in the pages of his word about the afterlife. He's the great revealer of mysteries. No greater mystery than the question, is there life after death? And he hasn't told us everything we want to know about the afterlife, Pat, but he has told us everything we need to know. And there's a whole lot in the Bible um, about the life to come. You open your book with a traveler's guide to your final destination, uh, how do you open the book? What are you saying there? Well, uh, you know, Pat, the, this, this life, and it's kind of a cliche, but this life is, is really a dress rehearsal for the next. And um, I'm, I'm just a big believer that if you're going to live life successfully, you've got to know what your final destination is and, and where you're going. Uh, a lot of us are too busy to think about that, to even uh, put any thought to what happens beyond the grave, sometimes uh, because of our, our fear of the unknown. And so um, the, the Bible is the best traveler's guide through life. It's a success manual for life, and, and it helps us prepare for the next life because we have only one chance to get it right. Now, there are no second chances, as I understand in Scripture. There are no second chances in the afterlife. So uh, we, we need to read the traveler's guide. We need to find out what God has to say about um, a relationship with him and living life successfully and preparing for the afterlife. And Ron, then you come back with a question, can we really live forever? Well, there, there is a lot of discussion out there, um, even outside the, the realm of theology, about uh, lengthening our mortality. And there are some people that, that even think that one day we will uh, conquer this thing called death. What, what I say in that chapter is, uh, yeah, we really can live forever. We were created to live forever. Uh, God made us as eternal beings, and we will live forever not because of advanced science and, and technology, but because uh, that's how God made us. We are eternal beings. It's easy to think that we are physical beings that maybe have a spiritual side to us. The reality is we are spiritual beings that are living in a physical body right now, and, and death is when that, that, that spirit or that soul, that spiritual part of us, departs from the body and lives on forever in the afterlife. Eternity in our hearts. Uh, can you expand on that? Yeah. Um, you know, the Bible, well, there, there are several reasons why, Pat, we can say, or that I can say with some assurance that there is an afterlife. And, and one is uh, that, that God has, has written eternity in our hearts. That's, that's a, a phrase we get from the pages of Scripture. Um, uh, I, I could make a case for the afterlife by, by saying, you know, we know Jesus rose from the dead, and, and, and there's a reason there to believe in the afterlife. Um, I, I can make a case from the fact that God has written eternity in our hearts in the sense that 
Uh, he's written into the software of humanity this, this awareness that there's something more. Now you, know, you can deny that, you can suppress it, you can even silence that, uh, that, that awareness in, in our soul and in our spirit, but uh, he's written eternity in our hearts. I go one step further in the book, Pat, and also say, beyond the pages of Scripture, I think God has even given to us a clue in creation that there's life after death. And I like to say the farmer understands this best. He, he bets the farm on the fact that there's life after death because he takes a seed, he plants it in the ground, and what happens? That seed dies. And then miraculously, uh, something rises up again from the dead. It's a picture of the future resurrection of the dead. And the Apostle Paul uses that seed analogy in his letter to the Corinthians to talk about the afterlife. So when we die, we are like that seed that goes in the ground, but there is a, a future resurrection. So, yes, in the pages of Scripture, yes, in the, in the software of humanity, uh, we understand there's an afterlife. But written in the code of creation, I think there's also a clue there uh, that points us to the afterlife. What is the last enemy you write about? Well, that's death itself, and, and the Apostle Paul uses that phrase in uh, that great chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, that death is is the final enemy, and and Jesus defeated death. You fast forward to the end of uh, the New Testament, to Revelation chapters 21 and 22, and uh, at the great white throne judgment, uh, which is a sobering, sobering scene, uh, both death and Hades are finally cast into the lake of fire. Um, so uh, this this is why the Apostle Paul did the happy dance, and he said, Oh, death, where is your sting? And uh, because of what Christ did for us on the cross, he defeated death, he defeated sin, he defeated the devil. Now I want you to talk about your appointment with death. Yeah, you know, the Bible says uh, there's, a, there's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. Again, a pretty sobering text of Scripture found in, in Hebrews, but... Uh, it's a reminder, Pat, that, um, that there is an appointed time of death. The Lord knows when that is. Uh, you and I don't know when it is, but, but there is an appointment on God's calendar. Uh, funny thing is, is that estimates are that about 250,000 people a day die on planet Earth, and, and there's an appointed time for every one of them. Yeah. Uh, the fact that there's an appointed time for death, and then it goes on quickly to say, and after that, the judgment, uh, suggests to us that we're, we're not talking about reincarnation. Again, there's, there's one opportunity to get right with God in this life. Um, the Eastern religions of Buddhism and Hinduism see life and death and the afterlife as a, as a cyclical kind of thing, and that's where reincarnation comes in. The Bible never comes close to talking about reincarnation. It views life and the afterlife in a linear fashion. We're born, we die, we go into the afterlife. It's appointed unto man once to die not many times to die and be reincarnated, but once to die, and then after that, the judgment. So uh, having that knowledge makes me, uh, again, it's a sobering thought, uh, but it makes me prepare better for the afterlife. Pastor Ron Jones is with us. We're talking about his book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. Ron, now uh, between death and the future resurrection, I want you to get into that one. Well, uh, the one thing, again, Christianity, the hope of Christianity is the, is the future resurrection of the dead. And, and the Bible describes Jesus' resurrection as, as the first fruits of, uh, of, of many resurrections to come. Oftentimes people think that maybe there's, there's one future resurrection of the dead, uh, but the reality is, as you study the pages of the New Testament, the pages of Scripture, there, there are seven resurrections mentioned in the Bible. Jesus' resurrection, Easter Sunday when we celebrate it, is known as the first fruits, the idea the first of many more to come. So every human being, Pat, that goes into the grave will rise again in the future. This is, this is the teaching of Orthodox Christianity you know, for 2,000 years and, and even into the Old Testament, that there is a future resurrection. Every time, I've lived in Washington, D.C. area for about 10 years, and I went to the Arlington Cemetery many, many times, and every time I go to a place like that, I, I just think to myself, one day, every one of these graves will open up. Uh, that's what the Scripture teaches. Uh, some will rise to eternal life, the Bible says. Others will rise to eternal death. 
And so again, it's it's uh, a reminder that we need to uh, we need to prepare for the afterlife. Uh, we need to get right with the Lord and uh, live in anticipation of that. Ron Jones is with us. We're talking about his book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. Uh, Ron will be right back with us after uh, these messages. I do want to remind you that Friday, February nineteenth, is Faith and Family Night uh, at the Orlando Magic game with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Karen Williams uh, will be singing after the game on Faith and Family Night. The opening act is the J.J. Weeks Band. It's always a great night at the arena, at the Amway Arena, when uh, uh, Faith and Family Night takes place. And this year, it's Friday, February 19th. Uh, For ticket information, call Mike. Here's the number, 407-916-2929. 407-916-2929. Ask for Mike. Uh, More with Ron Jones right after these messages on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 94. 4.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Are your car bills just getting higher and higher each time you take it in for service? Is every time you take your auto in for service dreaded because you feel they're selling you repairs and maintenance you just don't need? Well, upselling is the way most companies work today, to drain your pocketbook and pad their profits. So what should you do? For 41 years, the crew at Blue Book Car Service Center have worked hard to earn your repeat business and help their customers be good stewards of their money. It's their responsibility to be honest and repair your vehicles at the best price. Their low, low service labor rate has been the same for over eight years. Their qualified staff and service techs repair vehicles, not just to replace costly parts, unless necessary. And they don't upsell anything. No one at Blue Book Service Center works on commission and never has. Come visit Blue Book Service Center. Call 407-321-0741 for an appointment. Call 407-321-0741. Find out more online at bluebookcars.com. Do you have enough drinking water at home or work? For whatever life throws at you. This is Florida, and you can never have enough good, wholesome drinking water on hand for meetings, family gatherings, even Mother Nature's wrath. Be prepared with Carolina Highland Mountain Spring Water delivered directly to your home or business. Call now for their Be Prepared delivery special. Individual bottles, dispensers, and coolers. No contracts, no fees. Call 407-851-7144. Online at carolinabottledwater.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Ron Jones is with us from uh, Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach. Uh, The book is called Mysteries of the Afterlife. Ron, now get into this one. 60 seconds after we die. What's going on? Yeah, well... You know, Jesus, again, is, is um, the one that we need to go to and the scriptures that we need to go to to answer that question. Um, uh, what we know about what happens uh, just moments after we die, it's not based upon human speculation, Pat. It needs to be based on, on divine revelation, and that's, again, why, why the scriptures is our guide. Jesus told a story in Luke chapter 16 um, that was more than just a parable. Uh, the, the indication is that this might have been a, a almost like a reality uh, situation, uh, reality TV 2,000 years ago. He told a story about a, a rich man and a poor man who died and went into the afterlife, and they, they both went to a place called Hades. And um, the, the two things that that strike me in the description in that story is that moments after they died, uh, Lazarus, the poor man who went to uh, the paradise side of Hades, and then the rich man uh, who didn't follow God, went to a place of torment. But they were both, Pat, fully conscious moments after they died. Uh, so, some uh, cults and other people teach this concept of soul sleep, that when we die, the, the soul goes into a state of unconsciousness and sleeps. Yes, the Bible refers to death as, as having fallen asleep, but 
uses that in a euphemistic way, kind of like we say somebody has passed away. Uh, and it always refers to the body that looks like it's sleeping. But the teaching of Jesus on the afterlife is that we are fully, fully conscious moments after we die. And we're in one of two places, a place of um, unimaginable torment or a place of uh, unimaginable bliss and happiness in the presence of the Lord. And we want to be where there's bliss, I would think, Dave, Ron, I think that would be a good choice, wouldn't it? Absolutely. And, and um, you know, Jesus was very clear in John chapter 14 when he was talking to his disciples on the night before he was crucified. He says, uh, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And the uh, question came up, well, where are you going and how do we get there? And he says, well, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. So uh, Jesus has gone ahead to prepare a wonderful place called heaven, um, uh, but, but the way is through him. Uh, there, there's no question about that. That's the, the teaching of Christianity, that Jesus is the only way to the Father, because he's the only one who paid the penalty for our sins on the cross and, and died and uh, then rose triumphantly from the grave three days later. Ron, now you uh, raise another question. Can we communicate with the dead? Yeah, you know, Pat, there's a lot of, um, a lot of questions about that. Uh, it, it, there, there are people who um, are, are you know, writing books and uh, programs, television, reality TV programs about mediums and, and all of that, and it's all very, very entertaining. But I tell you, when you, when you read the scriptures um, about uh, demonic things and uh, things related to uh, the spirit life, uh, it really puts a caution on us when it comes to diving into you know, conversations with the dead and mediums. Uh, I always say there, there are three things you need to consider uh, when, when somebody presents themselves that way. Number one, they're just an outright fraud, and that, that's certainly a possibility. Secondly, um, that uh, demons can masquerade as your dead loved ones. And, and if, in fact, it is a real situation, probably more often than not, that, that's what's happening. Um, but as far as the, you know, the actual dead person communicating with you, I, I don't see that in Scripture. There was only one time where the Lord seemed to allow that to happen with the prophet Samuel and King Saul. Um, but again, a lot of, a lot of caution lights and, 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 and flashing red lights Scripture gives us when it comes to uh, trying to communicate with our dead loved ones. We're, we're, we're probably dancing with demons if we do so. Uh, the, the devil is very uh, capable of appearing as an angel of light and, and masquerading uh, the realities of the afterlife. Uh, can you tell us about Saul and the witch of Endor? Well, it's one of the examples that I use where, where Saul uh, went to the dark side. You know, he, he was uh, Israel's first king as many of us know, and um, uh, wasn't the Lord's choice, but he, he started out well and ended up poorly and uh, didn't seek the Lord's counsel the way he should have and decided to seek the counsel of a medium and, uh, uh, and, and, and went to the dark side and, and even had a conversation with, well, the witch of Endor. Now, it's interesting, Pat, Pat Hollywood has popularized witches and mediums and all the kinds of things that the Bible says is a very, very dark place to go. If you remember years ago, uh, the program Bewitched, um, uh, the, the, one of the characters on there, her name was Endora, and uh, it, was, it was based on the witch of Endor in the Bible. So uh, what, what the Bible warns us about in terms of dabbling in the occult and dabbling and dancing with demons and all of that, uh, Hollywood has popularized and... and, and uh, that Disney has made it into a, uh, a joy ride at a theme park, you know, uh, some of these kinds of things. Now I want you to get to another question. Are you a citizen of heaven? Well, uh, and that, that's a great question for all of us to ask and answer. Um, uh, the Bible, you know, for, for those of us here in the United States of America, we're, we're, we're citizens of the greatest country on earth. Uh, I was born in America, and, and I love my citizenship here. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, um, I am a dual citizen. And with that comes some dual loyalties. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm first a citizen of heaven. And understanding that, uh, that my faith in Jesus Christ has given me a heavenly citizenship, 
it, it helps me to have a different perspective on life. In, in one sense, we're just we're just passing through uh, even this great great country and this great world. We are pilgrims. We are strangers. And as the Bible encourages us to do, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Um, I know this is this is not my 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 ultimate home, and, and I'm I'm kind of like I'm on a, a vacation in a foreign country. Sometimes it feels um, so. You become a citizen of heaven by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's that's the simple answer to the question: Are you a citizen of heaven? If you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, uh, you have your your heavenly citizenship. And the question is: Are are we uh, are are we living like that? Now, there's another question: Is your name written in heaven? Well, kind of kind of a, a same question, but in a in a different way. Um, you know, the Bible talks about the book of life that will one day be opened. And um, uh, my understanding of that is that everybody's name is written in the book of life until they come to an age where they can they can understand the gospel. And uh, if you choose to reject the gospel, your name is therefore blotted and erased from the book of life. But uh, you want your name written down in God's registry. Uh, you understand this as a uh, as, as a sports guy, Pat, every every team has a roster, mm-hmm. and uh, we want those names written down on the roster. We need to know who's on the team. Well, God has a roster, too, and, and it's called the Book of Life, and it's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that we get our name uh, forever written in the Book of Life. And One, one day that book will be opened up, and um, uh, the, 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 the hope and the desire for all of us through faith in Jesus is uh, that our names are there. Ron, what do you tell us about the Father's big house? Well, this is this is where in Mysteries of the Afterlife we we get into heaven itself, and you know Jesus said, "In my Father's house are many rooms." Uh, the older translations say many mansions, and a lot of the great hymns of the Christian faith talk about you know our mansion in the sky. Actually, that that language from John chapter fourteen, Pat, um, borrows. The, the imagery of um, a Middle Eastern wedding. And here's what would happen, a little bit different than weddings in our time. Uh, when the uh, bride and the groom were betrothed, uh, that was a, a kind of an engagement period that had a little bit more legal binding than our engagements. But when, during the betrothal period, the groom would actually go back to his father's house and he, he would engage in a building project. He would add on rooms to his father's house because that's where he and his bride would live. So during the betrothal period, he would leave, he would add on rooms to his father's house, and then he would come back one day and grab his bride, and they would go live at their father's house. So this is the picture Jesus has in mind when he's sitting in the upper room with his disciples, and he says, um, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So uh, Jesus Jesus is, is gone. He's like the heavenly groom who is away. Uh, he's building. He's constructing. He's adding rooms to his father's big, big house. And it's a big house, Pat, with lots and lots of room uh, for anybody who comes to faith in Jesus Christ. And I like to say, you know, uh, God created the world in six days. But it's taken at least 2,000 years for Jesus to build heaven and to build uh, these expansion rooms onto his Father's house. So it's going to be a big house and a wonderful place and a beautiful place as well. And that brings us to another question, Ron. Is heaven for real? Well, uh, yes, it is. I mean, I, uh, th- this is a chapter, uh, Pat, where um, I, I dive into a little bit of uh, what one person called the heavenly tourism industry. Um, there are a lot of people today, and, and it's not just today, it's been going on for maybe decades, who you know tell stories of how they might have died and uh, gone to heaven and came back to you know tell, tell details about it. I, I'm very skeptical of those things for, for a couple of reasons. First of all, Jesus said in John 3 and verse 13, no one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. So, so somebody who says, you know, I died and I went to heaven and I came back um, has to contend with, with what Jesus said about that. Uh, he's the only one who has ever come from heaven. Um, and, and 
I, I, again, I'm very skeptical of it. Interestingly enough, there about a month before my manuscript was due to my publisher, uh, there was a, a national news story. It was in the news cycle for about 48 hours. There was a Washington Post blogger that probably had the best headline. He says, boy who came back from heaven didn't, books recalled. <laughs> and this was about, you know, one of these these these, these books, these stories of, of, of a young boy uh, named Alex Malarkey, uh, Kevin and Alex Malarkey, you can't make up that name, um, <laughs> wrote this book about a you know, boy who died, went to heaven, came back, and he had all these fanciful stories uh, that, that just didn't align with Scripture. Well, the l- little boy grew up, uh, became a teenager, and he said, listen, uh, it, was, it was all a made-up thing. Mm. And so a major Christian publisher published that book, not the publisher of my book, but another one, and, and they had to recall all the books. And, and distance themselves from the story. Now, this is why I say, you know, Pat, the only reliable source of information we have about the afterlife is found in the pages of Scripture. And let's lean heavily on the revelation of God, not on human speculation. Is heaven for real? Absolutely it is. Uh, because God tells us that it is in the pages of his word. And that's where I have confidence about the afterlife, um, not not because of some, some story uh, that somebody has come up with that, the problem with those stories is you can't validate them. Uh, the validation is, is o- goes only as far as the individual who claims that they had a story. But Christianity has always been validated by many convincing and infallible proofs, uh, Luke says in Acts chapter 1, and by, by the eyewitness accounts. Uh, we never have to worry, Pat, in Christianity that we're going to get a headline that says, uh, Jesus rose from the dead but didn't, Bible recalled. Uh, that never happens because uh, Christianity is on the foundation of eyewitness accounts, many convincing proofs, and not just the story of one person supposedly died and came back with all of these these kinds of stories. So that that chapter just kind of takes on um, some of the, the 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 popular books and and even movies uh, that have been told about these stories. Ron, we've. Uh... Just about run out of time, but I would like you just in 30 seconds to summarize uh, what we've been talking about. And then I encourage people to get your book. It's called Mysteries of the Afterlife by Ron Jones. Uh, how do you wrap all this up? Well, again, Pat, God hasn't told us everything we, we want to know about the afterlife, but he's told us everything we need to know. He's given us a sufficient amount of information in the pages of Scripture for two things to happen, for us to have great hope in this life and also to walk by faith. And uh, uh, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I would say for anybody who is preparing for the afterlife, who dares to do so, run to the cross of Jesus Christ. Uh, All of the mysteries of life, Pat, are solved in Jesus Christ. Ron Jones, our guest. We got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your host, Dr. Daniel Forbes and attorney Delton Chen. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Due to an upturn in the economy, Main Street Business Loans has pre-approved the release of millions of dollars in small business funding. Your business may already be pre-approved to receive up to $250,000. We've sent out millions of pre-approval letters. We see the economy growing, and our underwriters believe now is the time to invest in your business so you can grow faster and make more money. And we're prepared to give you up to $250,000 to do it. Your funds can be available in five days. There are no application fees, no annual fees, just quick access to up to $250,000. If your business did not receive your approval letter to get up to $250,000, Call Main Street Business Loans Approval Desk now. 800-870-0459. 800-870-0459. 800-870-0459. 800-870-0459. 800-870-0459. 
But even though the calendar says it's winter, here in Orlando, summer can go all year long. That means our air conditioners take a beating. And if your AC is on its last leg or not working at all and you've been putting it off, we've got an amazing radio deal for you. It's called Half Price Cooling. Get a new complete AC system for your home with installation for half price. No coupons, no games, no gimmicks. Go online to AmazingRadioDeals.com right away. Then cool down with the hottest deal in town. Half Price Cooling. Check it out right now at AmazingRadioDeals.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Ron Jones, our guest in the first half hour uh, from uh, Virginia Beach, talking about his book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. Uh, Boyd Bailey joins us from Atlanta, founder of Wisdom Hunters. And we're going to talk about his new book. It's called Two Minutes in the Bible for Men. Uh, He... uh, encourages men to start each day with life-changing biblical wisdom. Uh, Boyd, great to talk to you, and I'm so glad we can talk about your new book. Same here, Pat. I've enjoyed watching and following your leadership over the years as well. What was the uh, reason behind the book? You know, um, I really love men, and I'm grateful for the men who have invested in my life over the years. And I wanted just to lay out some simple resources and tools to help them in, in life in general and specifically in their walk with Christ. Why is it so tough uh, for men, maybe men and women, to set aside a little bit of time to get into the Bible every day? Why is that such a battle? You know, I think our, uh, we feel overwhelmed with life's responsibilities. We're fatigued. Uh, it's easy when we get in our little time of prayer and our, we get our cup of coffee and then our mind wanders and so I've tried to encourage men to say, you know, just start with a few minutes. Don't feel overwhelmed that you you know, have to have 30 minutes or an hour in the morning. Just look at it as an appetizer to kind of prime your pump, kind of recalibrate your thinking, allow the Lord to cleanse your heart and kind of prepare you for the day. So I, I think the struggles are they don't we don't feel like we have enough time, and therefore fatigue and pressures in life just kind of push it off to the side. We know we should do it, but... Uh, we just end up not doing it. By the way, before we jump into your book, I'm curious about the Wisdom Hunters, an organization that you founded. Uh, what, what is the Wisdom Hunters all about, Boyd? Probably 20 years ago, some of you as, long, uh, as well as me read the book Wisdom Hunters by Randall Author, and it really took us on a journey of working through legalism to really a grace-based life. And that book uh, really put its fingerprints on my heart. And so since then, I've tried to be intentional around this whole idea of speaking wisdom. In fact, there was a mentor of mine uh, here in First Baptist Atlanta years ago, and I really admired his humility, his walk with the Lord, his love for his family. And so I took him to lunch one day. I had my long yellow legal pad. you remember those? And I was ready to take notes to gain his wisdom on how he approached life, why he was successful as a man, as a father, as a leader, as a husband. And he said, Boyd, I really don't know other than for 10 years, I read a chapter in Proverbs every day, and it was uncanny how God would speak to my heart through whatever particular issue I was facing relationally, financially, a conflict at work. That particular proverb for that day would give me insight and wisdom on how to manage that relationship or how to lead my family. And so I took his challenge. I was 31 at the time, and I missed some days, but for 10 years I, I kind of sought God's wisdom through Proverbs each day, and, and, and it, was really a, it was really a journey. And, and I saw the benefit then of kind of compounding how truth compounds over time if we can be consistent. Much like dollar-cost averaging money, we can dollar-cost average our time with the Lord. The book is called Two Minutes in the Bible for Men, a 90-day devotional by Boyd Bailey, who touches up to 90 diverse themes. Uh, I'm going to give you a few themes here, Boyd, to uh, talk to us about. How about the theme of forgiveness? What do do you share with us? You know, that really has come out of my own personal life, Um, really having a dysfunctional relationship with my earthly father, and until I in college encountered Christ and accepted him into my life, I, I, I did not know how to forgive. And then I, I learned over time that forgiveness is a process. And though God forgave me in an instant and my sin was forgiven and I was cleansed, I learned that it took time for me to, to grow in my love for my, my father here on earth and how to forgive him. And But how freeing that's been over the years. And I really think that God used my forgiveness of my dad and the prayers of other people to to eventually bring him to his 
seeking forgiveness from from God himself. And so the, the power of forgiveness, I think many times with men, we kind of push that back. We get our feelings hurt. We've had childhood traumas. We haven't processed. We haven't worked through. And literally, we're in bondage in our emotional energy because we've not worked through the whole skill set of how to process forgiveness, both receiving forgiveness and extending forgiveness. Then there's the theme of vision in your book, Boyd. What, what do you get into there? You know, we've all talked over the years about vision, how important it is to have God's vision for our life. And 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 I've, I've always believed that God's will is what's best for everyone involved. And so I think it's critical that we do embrace God's plan and vision for our life. And then through that process, each day, seek to keep our hearts aligned to his will. And then the theme of money motivation. That's a big one with men, and you uh, get into that in your book. Yeah, and, you know, again, out of my own struggles, I've experienced the unhealthy motivation. I would call it ungodly ambition of really being driven just to make money, just to have more stuff, and just to, you know, have higher status in my net worth, et cetera. And so I've been through that whole mistake of, of, of making money the end in itself, where Jesus even said the number one competitor to our devotion to him is wealth, is money. And so the true riches of really being motivated by God's mission and humbling myself and coming under his purposes, uh, and then let money be an outcome and not a an idol. And, I, and again, I think men, once we kind of get money in its proper perspective, that we use it uh, as a slave for God's purposes and not a master over our own life. And then uh, the theme of service. Yes, you know, I've always been, my heart has always been touched by that picture of Jesus kneeling at the feet of the disciples and, you know, washing their feet, uh, you know, the equivalent of today, uh, someone may be walking through the snow when they come in, we take their boots off, we warm their feet, we give them some socks to, you know, help them be more comfortable and just the whole the whole example that Jesus did not come to be served but to serve and what an opportunity we had to love people through looking you know for unselfish ways to, to to just to be a blessing and to look for a need and to meet that need quietly and and even do it anonymously uh, through our giving of time and money and our resources and relationships and so I think service is just one of those critical aspects of how we can have a healthy life in our walk with Christ. And then uh, there's another theme here that you get into, Boyd, time management. And, you know, time management is a little bit of a tired phrase, but I still think it's a good one. Uh, For me, I know I need to have quiet in my life. Otherwise, the noise manages my life. And I think uh, our calendar can tend to manage us and drive us unless we get uh, a process in place where we're, we're prayerfully seeking you know, what should be on our calendar? What should not be on our calendar? Am I leaving Am I leaving margin in my schedule for God interruptions? Uh, you know, in the past, I've been too busy, um, you know, where I've not uh, allowed that margin for a friend who would call or a crisis would come up, and, and, and then I would feel this emotional uh, stress. And, and uh, so I, I literally have a discipline now where I try to put breaks in my schedule and my calendar so that instead of me feeling managed by the calendar and by time, uh, I have more leadership under the Holy Spirit to respond to needs and have, have that flexibility in my calendar. And, Boyd, now here's an interesting theme, presumptive praying. Uh, wh- what is that? You know, um, uh, we of course, we would all say motivation is critical, and I don't, personally, I don't think none of us totally have pure motivations in everything we do. There's always that battle. Uh, selfishness and agendas, et cetera. And, uh, but I know with praying, I think about the story Jesus told the man who stood and prayed that he was glad he was not like everyone else. And he, he was very proud of his prayer, so to speak. And I think if we're not careful, I know I have to be careful of this. Uh, I can just, I can assume that God's going to answer a prayer and, and then I can have that expectation and then be crushed when that prayer is not answered in the way that I thought it should be asked. And so, really staying humble before before the Lord and saying to my Heavenly Father, what is it that I need to learn through this prayer process? I don't want to come demanding from you. I want to come learning from you and and change my heart, Lord, according to your will. So I'm not presuming on what I think is God's will. I want you to talk about the theme of humility for a few minutes, if you would, Boyd. 
Yeah, humility is a is a big one. I really think a huge, uh, you know, St. Augustine says it's the mother of all virtues, and, and I believe that. I believe it's foundational. I try to read Andrew Murray's uh, Humility every year. I think it's that important. But it literally qualifies us for the grace of God. Uh, you know, he says he gives grace to the humble, and it's not a, it's not a passive role that we have because he says that we're to humble ourselves under his mighty hand, under his mission, under his purposes. And then, so our part is to humble ourselves, and his part is to pour out his grace on us. And I don't know totally what humility means. I know it's one of those things, if you think you are, you're not, you know, kind of thing. And I've always been puzzled how Moses could write in numbers that Moses was the most humble man who ever lived. Certainly it was God inspiring him to write that, but I thought that was kind of humorous that the humble man who ever lived wrote that. But, you know, a few things I do know about humility, it's esteeming others better than myself. It's being willing to do the things that someone else may not want to do, but I take the initiative to do it, even though it may not even be my responsibility or my role. It's giving others credit uh, and the team credit. It's, it's, it's really, a, to me, an attitude of the heart, and that we actually live the Christian life the same way we became a Christian. It's by grace through faith, and humility is that key then to receive God's grace. Teach us uh, from your book. The book is called Two Minutes in the Bible for Men, a 90-day devotional by Boyd Bailey. Boyd, talk about uh, setbacks and dealing with them. I'm I'm sorry, Pat. What was that last question? Teach us about setbacks, disappointments, failures uh, that that happen to all men. Yes, thank you for asking that question. You know, setbacks and suffering and pain and hurt, we, we tend to think, our first question is, I know for me, well, am I being punished for something? Is there sin in my life? Where sometimes we have these opportunities to experience unmerited suffering, like with Job, where Job had the opportunity to show Satan and his, quote, friends that he was going to keep his integrity, uh, even though he lost his health, he lost his family, he lost his financial resources, uh, Job stayed faithful. And so what I've learned, over, what I'm still learning, uh, going through cancer four years ago was very traumatic. But the whole idea that that my suffering is for God's glory, it's for the it's for the salvation of others, it's for me to experience my heavenly Father in a way that I'd never experienced. I I love praise music. When I was going through this recovery from cancer, I, there was a, I had a lot of physical pain and. There's this, there's this worship song called How He Loves, and there's a phrase in that song that I never really understood. It says, my afflictions are eclipsed by your glory. And when I was going through this intense pain, I told my sweetheart, Rita, I said, please turn on that worship song and just hold me. And I felt, I felt the love and the comfort of my Heavenly Father through that process. And I learned in that process that the suffering and the pain that we go through is for His glory and to make us more like Christ and to draw people Unto himself. And one last thought I have about pain is a, a good friend of mine, a mentor, lost two teen, teenage children to accidental deaths within a year. And he told me one day over lunch a few years back, he said, Boyd, God is not finished with pain until something good comes out of it. And I thought, what a, what, a, what a great insight from a man that has experienced heartfelt, deep pain. Uh, what do you write about marriage in your devotional book? You know, marriage is... Um, I try to address it as our laboratory for Christianity. You know, uh, you know, I couple skated with Rita in seventh grade. I've known her a long time. She knows a lot of stories on me. Her family's evangelism in my life was they loved each other and they loved me. And it was incredible growing up in a, a single-parent home, a broken home, and then seeing their love and being attracted to that. And so we were married young at age 19, a small town over in Alabama. But over the years, what what we've learned in our 37 years of marriage and what we're still learning is our marriage is a reflection of our relationship with Christ. And, you know, he describes uh, us as his bride, and he's the groom. And and so just the whole idea of uh, forgiveness, uh, I had a real wise, I was at a silent retreat a few years ago where Henry Nowen used to attend his silent retreats. And this this wise 82-year-old monk told me, he said, Boyd, any time you're offended or hurt, the amount of time it takes you to thank God and forgive is an indicator of how close your walk is with Christ. And it really challenged me that in marriage, what an opportunity to forgive fast, to thank God for my sweetie, and then to grow and to own 
you know, my own issues and to continue to, to, to learn how to serve unselfishly and embrace and celebrate our differences. And, you know, it, it just seems like, Pat, if we, if we learn what God wants us to learn in our marriage relationship, how much healthier are our other relationships going to be? My guest is Boyd Bailey. We've got more with Boyd right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace, a service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 5.30 Sunday on the new 94. 4.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Are you ready to take your education to the next level? Arizona State University now offers more than 100 top-tier degree programs, 100% online. With ASU's highly ranked online programs, you'll earn the same degree as our on-campus students with the ability to learn wherever you want, whenever you want. Same world-renowned faculty, same leading education, same global recognition from one of the top universities in the world. Call 1-800-581-3263. That's 1-800-581-3263. I'm Jamie from Sherman Oaks, and I just graduated with my degree from Arizona State University. I chose ASU because I received the quality education I deserve in the major I wanted, all from my home. Jamie's not the only one to earn a degree from ASU. There are over 100 degree programs offered 100% online from one of the top universities. Now's the time to learn more about earning your degree online from Arizona State University. Call 1-800-581-3263. That's 1-800-581-3263. Hi, this is Steve Kreloff. It's a great blessing to be able to come into your home and cars via radio each weekday evening at 6.30 with Verse by Verse. The Apostle Paul told his young protege, Timothy, be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. That's my passion, to accurately understand and teach God's word of truth. I hope you'll tune in weekdays at 6.30 p.m. to Verse by Verse on WTLN. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Folks, just a reminder that the uh, Orlando Magic's annual Faith and Family Night uh, takes place Friday, February 19th, 7 o'clock. The Magic play the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Afterwards, the concert featuring Karen Williams. The opening act is the J.J. Weeks Band. It's always a highlight of the season and uh, we want you to be part of it ticket information here's what to do call mike at 407-916-2929 just call 407-916-2929 ask for mike and uh, he'll help you with tickets for the ball game and the post-game faith and family night concert with uh, karen williams Uh, My guest is Boyd Bailey. We're talking about his book, Two Minutes in the Bible. By the way, before we plow back in, uh, Boyd, tell me about Dr. Charles Stanley and what comes to mind when you think of him. The word uh, that comes to my mind is prayer, and I had the privilege for six years to serve with Dr. Stanley and his son, Andy, uh, in the early 90s, late 80s, and it was just an incredible time. The first Oh, month I was there, he took us on a staff retreat to pray, and we went to North Georgia, and we, with Dr. Stanley, you don't just, you know, God bless the missionaries, we were laying face down, and as time passed, unfortunately, we'd really carved up that night, we had mashed potatoes and gravy and biscuits and all of this, so we're all laying flat on our faces, praying 8.30, 9.30, 10.30, our church administrator literally started snoring. And I said, Rick, you know, I kind of joked, can't you tarry for an hour? And so anyway, we went to about 1230, and Dr. Stanley stood up. This was 1989. He said, man, the Lord's laid on my heart. We're to reach the world for Christ uh, through radio and television, in touch. And so I don't know how many years it was later, maybe 12 or 15, but at some point the ministry had that exposure, being able to get the gospel to the world. So just, just the whole idea of prayer. What a man of prayer. I learned so much from him around seeking the face of our Heavenly Father. 
Boyd Bailey is with us. We're talking about his book, Two Minutes of the Bible for Men. Uh, what do you write about leadership in your book, Boyd? You know, Pat, uh, again, servant leadership maybe is a little worn out phrase as well. But I, I love the idea of not only being a servant as a leader, but wanting to be a servant. And I think there's a distinction there where we're constantly looking for ways to add value to the relationships that we're around. And, you know, how can I literally outserve you? And, and uh, not just in our work environment, but we have four son-in-laws now. You know, we always told our, our four daughters, you know, marry your best friend, make sure your heart flutters. And make sure they love the Lord more than they love you. And so these these son-in-laws, over the years, I've I've tried to show them this and model for them this idea of, hey, guys, come in here. We're going to work on unloading this dishwasher. You know, the girls have done a great job on the mail. And so, you know, having uh, top of mind, uh, always looking for needs and, and, and being willing to meet those needs. How about temptation? What do you teach us there? You know, um, you know, what an ongoing challenge in our society and our culture today around temptation, sexual temptation, uh, financial temptation around greed, uh, temptation around power. And, and I really believe accountability is a key part of, 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 of having, uh, you know, guardrails in our life to keep us from having a train wreck in our lives. And so, you know, for years, in the very beginning of our marriage, uh, I, I had this guardrail or this guideline to never be alone with, a never wo- with another woman. And, and, and Rita told me, she's told me over the years how that has really honored her and, and has protected me from myself and making unwise decisions. You know, I like to say, Pat, that accountability is giving others permission to stick their nose uh, into our business. You know, it's really, I can say I'm accountable, but until I really ask for it, uh, I'm not really accountable. And I love what Bob, Do- Bob Dolph says. He says, don't just hold me accountable, but hold me close. And I think that's a really, really great word picture. And, and one last thing I'd say about temptation and accountability is I had a mentor that just lost his battle to leukemia. And I, I helped with the funeral in Grand Rapids this past week with a eulogy. And his favorite question, if we were in person, he would put his hand over my heart and he would say, Boyd, how's your heart? Mm. On the phone, on the phone, he would say, "Boyd, how's your heart?" And I really think that's that is the heart of the matter for men. You know, where's our affection? Where's where's my heart? When I was faint-hearted, he would in, encourage me. He would um, he would say, "Maybe you need to get away for a long weekend with Rita, or get some get some quietness in your life, boy, so you can so you can rest." Or sometimes I would lose heart, and he would say. Boyd, remember, you're a child of the living God. You're, you're a son of God. He would remind me of my identity, and he would share Scripture with me to really recalibrate my thinking. Or oh, when I was brokenhearted, and I would be honest about that, because I, I wasn't always honest with him, because when he first asked me that question, how's your heart, as a man, I felt, I felt a little nervous about that. I felt um, uh, vulnerable. I, didn't, you know, I, felt, I felt like I was going to be a failure if I, if I really shared my heart. And so my pride and my ego kind of yanked me back from being emotionally honest. But over time, I learned how much he really loved me, and I trusted him. And, and so, you know, so when I was brokenhearted, he would just put his arm around me and pray, and, and, and the presence and the peace of our Heavenly Father would just overwhelm me. And so I think that question about really getting into each other's hearts you know, where he says in Proverbs, above all else, guard your heart. Out of, out of it flows everything in our life. And so the, the heart issue, I think, is a critical, critical piece. And, and as men learning to be honest about our hearts. Now I want you to talk about the importance of friends. What do you write about? Yes. Uh, you know, I've, 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 I've been blessed personally with friendships, but it, it does require incredible intentionality, incredible uh, uh, giving, and I think being systematic in how we invest in friendships. For example, I, I stole this idea from a friend years ago. For 12 years now, I have a monthly conference call with all the four son-in-laws together, and they came up with three questions. What's the Lord teaching you? What are you learning from your family? And what's your biggest challenge at work? We can pray for you. So we have this intentional calendar of, of communication so we can grow our friendship. You know, Rita and the four girls talk every day by accident. I mean, that's just their their routine, uh, their nature. I tell you the other thing, Pat, that's helped me around friendships 
is learning how to grow my friendship with my wife, Rita. We went to a marriage intensive almost five years ago uh, here close by, and we were empty nesters, and we thought, you know, we need some new skills to grow in our own friendship, where it's just the two of us now, and, and how can we how can we grow old together in a way that's the be- our best years ever? And so I really didn't know what I was getting into because I was with three other couples, and the curriculum that we went through was called emotional fitness, and I felt, I felt very nervous about all that, and the, and the facilitator was great. He said, now, boy, you just take your time. If you want to keep your training wheels on your emotions right now, that's fine. Over time, you can take the training wheels off. And, Pat, it was an incredible weekend, and food was great. That's always important. And so we came out with this curriculum called Emotional Fitness. We found four other couples that experienced the same thing, the same retreat, the same curriculum. We've been together for five years now. The men in that group have become my best friends. And I think the reason why is our wives know each other, we know each other, and each couple literally has argued with the other in front of the other couples in a, you know, in a healthy way. And so we've gone, you know, instead of snorkeling, we've gone scuba diving in our relational, you know, depth. And uh, I think it's that investment of time. It's, it's being honest with who we are and, um, and, and really having those times together is how the friendships grow. And now uh, the closing one is forgiveness. Why don't you uh, chat about that for a minute, Boyd? Yeah, forgiveness. You know, um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, uh, what the wise monk said to me, you know, four or five years ago, you know, Boyd, anytime, anytime you are hurt or offended, the amount of time it takes you to thank God and forgive is an indicator of how close your walk is with Christ. And so I think not letting, you know, uh, in First Corinthians 13, where it talks about love, not keeping a record of wrongs. I think that's, inc- that's incredibly important, you know, not having uh, built up resentment over you over the years, letting things go, learning to forgive as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us, and really being intentional about that and, and realizing that hurting people hurt people. When, when somebody's so many times people, when they're offensive or they they say things they wish they shouldn't say, you know, extending grace to them, realizing we don't know what they're experiencing. We don't know where their heart is. We don't know what hurts they're still harboring in their own heart. And so being able to be gracious and extend and forgive and getting the benefit of the doubt, I think is so healthy for our relationship. Boyd Bailey has been our guest. We've got to wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Ron Jones and Boyd Bailey were our guests here uh, this evening. And uh, now... Uh, another reminder about the Orlando Magic's Faith and Family Night uh, featuring Karen Williams, who will be singing after the uh, ball game. The Magic played Dallas that night, Friday, February 19th, 2016, game time, 7 p.m. For ticket information, call Mike of the Magic. Here's his number, 407-916-2929. Call Mike, 407-916-2929. For ticket information for Faith and Family Night at the Amway Arena, always a wonderful, wonderful event, and uh, you'll enjoy it. In the meantime, we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Have a great week ahead. This is the new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 94.9 FM and AM 950 WTLN. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.